to the podcast of Imago Day Community, where we're convicted to help bring the whole gospel to the whole person, to the whole world. Join us in this Sunday service as we look to the scriptures seeking to be transformed into the image of Christ. Turn with me to the book of Ezekiel. We are going through the whole Bible and we're in the prophets, who tend to be a little doom and gloomy, because that's what prophets do. Um, prophets had this role in the life of Israel to be truth tellers in the ways that Israel was walking away from God in idolatry, worshiping other gods, unbelief, uh, overall stuff. And they had to speak for God on behalf of God to sort of remind them, Hey, do you remember how God saved you? How God's loved you? the covenant he's made with you, and do you see where you're going wrong? And people didn't respond well to them. Many times they beat them up or put them in prison or whatever it was. And we come to this book, Ezekiel, and Ezekiel was prophesying during a period where there was a lot of prophets. Um, Jeremiah prophesied during this time. Daniel prophesied during this time. And it was a time when Babylon had come in and take Israel captive. They had sinned greatly against God. He declared, if you keep this up, I'm going to send you into exile. And they did, and they went into exile. And so Ezekiel is prophesying this book. The first half is warning about this exile and calling them to repent. But the latter half is actually uh, prophecies of hope in the midst of exile. What I love about Ezekiel is that he was sort of a character. He would have been, um, he, he was sort of an activist. He would do these activities that would make kind of everybody stop and wonder, like, what the heck that guy's doing? He laid on the ground naked for over a year. Um, you can read about it in chapter four. Uh, shaved his head and then burned part of it and then threw it in the wind and, and all these little weird things that people would be like, what is he doing? They were pointing, they, they were supposed to make you stop and go, huh, and why? And why is he doing that? And what's it mean? Um, a good friend of mine, Shane Claiborne, I always say is sort of what I think of a modern day Ezekiel, other than probably hearing from God and speaking it and having it all come true. Um, <laughs> But the crazy parts, right? And so there was a time where Shane was, he was protesting at this place and the cops came and they broke up the protest and they beat him up. And so he got, he got like $30,000 in a judgment. And Shane is like, lives on $10,000 a year, right? I mean, he's the poorest guy I know. But he sends us some money with the word love on it. I'm like, dude, you're broke. And you, what? So I go, huh, what does that mean? And then he takes the rest of it, and on the opening day of Wall Street, he, he, he's across the street on top of this building, and when the bell goes off and everybody's throwing elbows on Wall Street, he throws all the money off the roof, and homeless people have their pockets full of change, and they start throwing it on the sidewalk. Sidewalk's completely silver. And he blows a ram's horn and declares a year of jubilee. <laughs> and it was like, you're, and the sad part is, jubilee was when everyone's debts were forgiven. 
So he wasn't fully a prophet because everyone's still in debt. But, um, but it makes you stop and go like, homeless people are throwing money away. And these guys are killing themselves. And, huh, what have we become? What has money done to us? What if, what if all was given? What if it was grace? And so, so Ezekiel is kind of that guy. Um, except everything he says happens. And as he, as he prophesies and goes about his antics, uh, it, it really is, he's speaking to, to a, a whole nation who are in utter despair, whose dreams have been dashed, their history has been lost, um, life is being taken from them, physical life. People are dying all over the place. And it's into that context that he speaks hope in chapter 37. And so turn there with me, and as you do, I want you to consider... Where is your hope when you face your loss of dreams and hopes of life? And where do you, where do you turn in that moment? So Ezekiel 37 verses 1 through 3, we'll start there. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, and he set me in the middle of a valley... It was full of bones. And he led me back and forth among them. I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. And he asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. So this is actually a vision. It's more than a prophecy. So he has this physical vision. And he's set in this valley. And it is a a vision about the despair that Israel is in. It's a a valley, essentially, where an army was slaughtered and left to rot and die. And now everything is gone except for their bones. It is a a valley of hopelessness uh, and suffering. It's a valley where there is complete powerlessness over death. Where there is nothing but these sun-scorched bones of people who have long been dead. And the question that he asks in that moment is, can these bones live? Can these bones live? And the answer to the, to the human of us is there there'd be no way that these bones live. But Ezekiel says, only God knows. Only God knows. And there's something that we learn about the, the eyes of a prophet, the heart of a prophet. It's that a prophet who has spoken for God and seen God's activity come through that can see the world through the lens of a God who speaks and acts and wills himself into history. And so he looks out at that and he sees utter despair. He sees dry bones. But he answers the question, only you know. Only you know, because whatever you choose to do, you can do, even in the midst of this place. The answer is pretty clear. There's no way that those bones can do much for themselves. I remember when I was a kid, and there was um, this one classroom in our elementary school, and they had a skeleton, and uh, we always thought that was super cool. 
I don't know. You don't see those a lot anymore because I guess people aren't volunteering for that. Uh, what do you want us to do with your remains? Make a skeleton out of me and put me in an elementary school classroom. Um, they, they just stopped. But um, it was always like cool to feel them, you know, to feel the bones. And you guys didn't do this, I can tell. Um, <laughs> why am I even telling this story? But, but, but the whole part of, I mean, the whole aspect of it is that clearly that skeleton is just that. There's no life in it. There's no life around it. it it's just the frame of what used to be human and now is simply bones. And some of you look at your life and you look at your past, you look at this present moment, your spiritual life, your relationships, and it feels like that. So it's like all I got is this skeleton of faith or of marriage or of hope. That I, 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 it's just like a valley of dry bones. And, and everything within my power to try to make that skeleton come to life is ridiculous. And so all I can do is sort of sit in it and lament it and grieve it. My faith is being questioned. Like there's loss, there's pain, there's all kinds of turmoil around it. And you know the answer to the question, can these bones live? Can this situation change? And if it's up to you, the answer is obvious. No. There's nothing you can do to make those bones live. But Jeremiah can speak through the eyes of faith. And the eyes of faith would look at it and say, well, only God knows. Maybe he'll act. Only God knows the hope that still lies in the valley of dry bones. And we're invited through the scriptures to see those places through the eyes of the God who can act. Not simply our own powerlessness. Look at verse 4. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life and then you will know that I am the Lord. So he sees this vision, and it's clearly a hopeless vision. And then God takes up, uh, takes up ownership of the situation. He intervenes in the situation. And now this valley that is hopeless and powerless and just history, really, just the remains of what used to be life, is actually a place where God is giving his power and his will and his salvation to. This situation is taken up by God and he says, I'm going to now use my power, my will, and my salvation to speak in to this valley. It's a vision of one where the natural effects of human death, decay, brokenness, sin, that... that, that over, are overcome by a creator 
who speaks into them through the prophet to once again create life. But not the life that he created in Genesis 2, but resurrection. And it's really the first time that this is, uh, one of the the few times that it's alluded to in the Old Testament here and especially in Daniel. But he describes resurrection as the key to the despair of the valley of dry bones. And the key to resurrection is that the breath of God would speak into it, would breathe into it and bring life. And this is the point that our despair, the despair of this valley, makes room for God's word of salvation. Now we hate that. We, we, we want God to give us this pristine life with no problems, no issues, no nothing. But what he does is he allows our lives to be touched by the frailty of our humanity, by the brokenness of our sin, by our own rebellion, by the natural causes of death around us. He allows our lives to be touched by despair. Because if you and I had our way, we would create a perfect life that was really untouchable by despair, by anything that would threaten our pristine life. And as soon as we go down that road, then we will convince ourselves very easily that we are God. It goes all the way back to the fall where they wanted to be like God. They knew that they thought they could be autonomous, all-powerful, all-knowing. They could control their pristine Life And rather than thinking of themselves as they were, they were creatures, they start to think of themselves, no, I'm the creator. And the minute you go down there, that's the pathway to hell. Because you're not. What you are is this bag of bones. We don't want to ever think about that, but one day, these bodies will die, we will be put somewhere, and we will be nothing. If God doesn't speak into that situation. And so he allows that despair to touch you. And that despair makes room for God's world of salvation. It makes room in us to look beyond our moment to a God who can speak and act and resurrect even a valley full of dry bones. Look at verse 7. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound. And the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them. Skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. And then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come Breath from the four winds, breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied, and he commanded me, and breath entered them, and they came to life, and they stood up on their feet, a vast army. So Ezekiel gets to see this picture of resurrection. The prophet speaks for God, the word becomes action. God's action takes place in front of the eyes of Ezekiel and resurrection happens. This is how 
faith works. It's how God works. The, the reason we're reading through the whole of the Bible is because God speaks. And when he speaks, that spoken word becomes his activity. He speaks creation into place. He speaks and prophesies that the virgin will be with child. He speaks, come forth from the grave. He he speaks his word and it becomes action. And when you know his word, then you'll understand that what he has done in Christ, what he has spoken through his son, is utterly the most transformative thing about our lives today. And that his son speaks by his spirit into your life, into your present situation. And faith, the job of faith, your faith, my faith, is that we would trust that God sees your valley. And he has spoken into it in Christ. And that he is speaking into it today. And that he will act and is acting. That is the job of faith. To see your present moment. To see that valley of dry bones through the lens of the sovereign God who has the power to speak and act and will in the very situation you find yourself. And it's not new for God. And it's not to take lightly the pain of that place. But God has always had the power to speak and to act in all of his creation. So the despair of these slain men in battle who have fallen are nothing but bones. They become a living army, first bones, then flesh. But there's no life, even when you're there, until the breath of God comes through them. Genesis 2, verse 7, Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. It is this place where we recognize that we as creatures created in the image of God are utterly dependent on God for the sustaining of our life. And it's not simply physical life. Because for you and I now, on this side of the cross, it's spiritual life as well. That he not only speaks life in that animates these bodies that you and I have, but he also gives us his spirit of resurrection. Here's what Jesus says in John 7. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and he said in a loud voice, let anyone who's thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And by this he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. That the imagery is that there is actually this, this flowing river, this fountain that is quenching the depths of your thirst. That in the dryness of that valley, in the hopelessness of that place, there is a God who has given you his spirit to, to, to quench that thirst so that rivers of living water would flow through you. It's that your life would be animated by his spirit, just as the breath of God spoke into Adam and speaks into these bones, the spirit of God has breathed into your life 
to pick you up and to put you back together and to resurrect you. The God who lets Ezekiel in on his resurrection lets you and I get in on resurrection too. The resurrection life in Jesus by the Spirit. And so are you thirsty? Or are you drinking? Are you dried up and cut off? Are you in need of God to speak and to act by giving you new life? Through Jesus. Then we come to the interpretation in verse 11. So he sees this vision. All that happens before him. And then in verse 11 it says, Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone and we are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, This is what the sovereign Lord says. My people... I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land and then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken. I have done it, declares the Lord. It is such a a powerful message of hope that Ezekiel brings into this moment. That here are these people who would say, with their, their, their words, they're saying that he quotes, our bones are dried up. Our hope is gone. We are cut off. Our history, our life, everything is gone. God has forgotten us. God has rejected us. Like there's no hope here. And then you hear the words, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Sovereign meaning God can do anything he wants, anytime he wants, without opposition. And the sovereign Lord says, my people, my people. Twice he calls them my people. He takes possession of them, ownership of their lives, just as he has done for you and I in Christ. He looks at your situation, your despair, your hopelessness, and he says, my son, my daughter, listen to me today. The sovereign Lord, Jesus Christ, speaks into your situation, and he says, I am going to open your graves. I'm going to bring you up from them. I'm going to put my spirit in you and you will live and you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken. That he speaks and he acts and he resurrects. For Israel, this powerful vision of hope is that they had the hope, despite everything that they had gone through, of resurrection, of new life, by God's spirit, that the house of Israel would be brought together, that the whole house of Israel in exile would be brought back into their land. And you go back to the question, son of man, can these bones live? 
Look at your situation. Can this change? Can I change? Does this pain go away? Whatever your question is, whatever your valley looks like. And what's the answer? The answer is, my son, my daughter, I have placed you in Christ. I will raise you from your grave. I will put my spirit and my life in you. In chapter 36, he gives sort of a, 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 another prophecy, and it connects with this one. It says this, For I will take you out of the nations, I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I'll remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I'll put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. That, those two pictures of resurrection and a new heart and a new spirit are both given to us in the new covenant. That as we sit on this side of Christ, We are given the hope of resurrection through his resurrection and his spirit put in us. If you are a follower of Jesus, you have that heart of flesh, not that heart of stone. That's what happens when the spirit of God regenerates you. And I think so many times we hear that, okay, God is with me. And that feels, you know, comforting. But the Bible says he's in you in this moment. In you with his resurrection life. And as he sums this up for for the people of Israel and the prophesy, it says, he's saying, God, I have a future for my people. And he says to you today, he has a future hope for you. He has resurrection life for you. It's for you now. And God is in the business of restoring the hopeless with the hope of resurrection life. I want you to hear that today. Because I think it's easy for us to, to talk about. It's hard for us to trust. But it is the testimony of scripture. It is the spokenness of God's word that he has hope for you in resurrection life. This is how the apostle Paul talks about it in Christ's resurrection. And I'd encourage you to read the whole of 1 Corinthians 15 because it's just it's one of the most amazing chapters in all of Scripture. But he says this, But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. As in Adam, all die. So in Christ, all will be made of life. But each in turn, Christ the first fruits. Then when he comes, those who belong to him. And then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father and he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. That is your hope if you're a follower of Jesus. It is your hope that he has indeed been raised from the dead, that he has conquered not just your valley of dry bones, but the grave itself. 
and that he is going to take you with him. And I know that seems so far off and so difficult to imagine, but it gets better. I mean, when that fulfillment is theirs for our, us to hope in, but there's something in the present for you to experience of that resurrection now. Romans 8 says this, but if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, this bag of dry bones that we carry around that could naturally decay in the dirt someday, even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because his spirit lives in you. Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying that the resurrected Christ has given you his spirit to take these broken bag of bones that are prone to sin and death and to animate them, to give his resurrected life to them so that you not only would hope in that valley, but you would live a resurrected life in that valley. That righteousness, that his life of love and hope and peace and all those things can show up in that place of despair because his salvation is in you by his spirit. I mean, there is so much hope here, not just for Ezekiel and the people of Israel, but how much more for you and for me who come to this table every week and testify that our crucified king has been raised from the dead, that we experience his grace today by the means of his spirit who is in us. God has promised to restore his people to give you the resurrection hope, but not just the hope, the taste to drink from that river of life, to let that life well up within you, to be bold enough in your faith that when despair touches you and you land in that valley that you would know this place is a place where the word of salvation is coming. So I'm not gonna shun it or go south, but I'm gonna wait, I'm gonna cry out, I'm gonna drink of the resurrection life that God has given me. Today I know there are some of you who are going, I am, I am cut off, I am dried up bones. And I want you to know that today the promise of Christ is that you can anticipate a glorified body resurrected with the hope of eternal life. And today in that broken body you're wearing around now, you can drink of that resurrected life by his spirit. I want you to come to this table today And it is not a table of despair. If he was not resurrected, this would be a table of despair. But we eat of the bread and we drink of the wine with great confidence 
Because we know his body is not broken. It is glorified, resurrected, ascended, and reigning in heaven so that he can speak on behalf of us to the Father for our salvation. This is a table of hope. And I invite you to it today. To walk out of your valley and meet Christ and drink of his resurrection life. Let's pray. Father, Son, and Spirit, we come to you this morning. And I ask today, God, that you would meet us wherever we find ourselves, that you would meet us with your resurrection life, with the hope that nothing can prevent your word from happening, not even death, and that you would speak into our dry bones, restore us, renew us, resurrect us, God. I thank you that today we have been raised in Christ by your spirit. So would you give life to these mortal bodies that we might live for your righteousness in the valley of despair, knowing that your salvation is greater than anything we're up against. And that you're not just with us, but you are in us today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We pray that God will use this message to strengthen your faith and draw you into a deeper relationship with himself. If you are interested in hearing other sermons or want more information about the church, please visit our website at www.imagodaycommunity.com.